This meeting is being recorded. Hello, I have Trevor with me. Hi, Trevor. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, my name is Trevor Lintz. I'm from the northeast of, of England, originally from Mask by the Sea, uh, about 18 miles north of Whitby. Um, live in Darlington now. And uh, yeah, that's that's me. Uh, did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? Oh, <laughs> right, straight off the bat. Uh, no, um, I'm not your typical author, I wouldn't have thought. I've read, uh, I'd read seven books in my life when I had a dream six months later after telling that dream over and over well I had about seven dreams one night and after telling that dream over and over was dead to write it and it had grown a few arms and legs by then never written anything in my life got an E in English probably dyslexic not been diagnosed but I probably are the, the, the only thing I had in my favor is I'm an IT consultant so I know what Microsoft Word like the back of my hand and I used to teach Microsoft Word to a point because um, I, I was a trainer so, yeah, no, I had no aspirations to be a writer whatsoever. I love, especially with guys, how a couple of books have come about as a result of a dare. It just amuses me. The things you do to prove a point is... <laughs> but my wife said to me on New Year's Day, uh, she said, tell that story, uh, that story that you dreamt. And by that point, it was a whole heap of bullet points at the beginning, but because I told the story that many times, it grown arms and legs and like I said and um her statement to me was uh I said we told some friends New Year's Day uh January the 1st 2017 and um uh, around the dinner table and then I said, they said you should write that I said I will one day and I think my wife's words were no you won't because you don't finish anything you start and it was the day after I was like what are you doing write my book so, yeah, probably took that. I mean, but I'd never have done it if she hadn't said that. Weird thing was, I didn't know what I was doing. So I just started typing and away I went. And yeah, it was, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll come on to it, but didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah. But it was, it was so much fun. But I had the story there, you see. And it, it, I, I think if anybody wants to write a book, if you've got a story in your head, that, that's half the battle, isn't it? Get, getting out of your head is, is the easy bit. Knowing what you're going to say is the, is the hard bit. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people that say they want to write say it's the idea that they have trouble with. So if you've got the idea, then, yeah. And I think imagination is something I've been told you need to write. And then the rest of it can be polished later by editors and stuff. So yeah. good stuff. That makes me feel better as well. <laughs> Ideas I have, skills not so much. <laughs> So when you did start writing, what did you find easier than you thought and what did you find more difficult? I found the whole process of writing quite easy, to be honest, which um, being a non-reader at the time might seem a little bit strange and a little bit arrogant. I'm, ho I'm hoping that's not the wrong word, but I just found it extremely easy to write a paragraph and I'd already know what was happening in the next bit while I was writing the first bit. So I'm fingers just typing away and I'm thinking, right, well, and then this would happen. And then this, so I, I suppose I, without any prior knowledge and before I sat down at the keyboard, I didn't realize that I could, that I, I would be able to do that. So I don't think I ever stopped. You know, when I'm writing, I'll get to the end of, a, and I've been writing my, my third book today and I'm just getting to the end of a paragraph, just straight to the next one, write the next chapter heading, straight in the next bit. Never, ever sat at the end of a paragraph going, oh, I wonder what's next. Sort of already know. And it's very strange. I see it like a film in my head. And all I'm doing is relaying what I'm seeing, I suppose. I, I do have a whole heap of bullet points at the bottom of what I've, I've dreamt, because I've dreamt all my books. And I just cross them off as I get to them. So I suppose that's the framework. But I don't really plan it. I just have them down there knowing where I'm heading, but I don't plan anything else. I just I just keep writing about bullet point one till I get to bullet point two. And if that's I think in my first book, uh, the first bullet point I wrote. And I've got them somewhere of when I did it of room 119 is 20,000 words in. So I had to write 20,000 words of what I didn't dream to get to the first bit I dreamt 
But because I knew what happened in the bit I dreamt, I knew what I had to cover to get to that point. Yeah. Awesome. So I find it easy. I don't know if that's a good thing to say, but yeah, mm -hmm. I, do, I do. Yeah. And what was harder than you expected? Probably the hardest thing was after about five chapters, uh, a couple, my, my wife read it and she went, oh my God, when did you learn how to write? I, I have written uh, training manuals before in IT, but that's very matter of fact and bullet point lists and things like that. Um, the hardest thing I found initially, um, probably the only hard thing I found was um, dialogue. Um I had to, I kept saying he said this and she said that. And then I was, even there's two people in the room and I got trying to find different ways of saying said was really getting on my nerves. And then um, my wife bought me a John Grisham book. I can't even remember what the book was called. Um, I thought, how the hell does he deal with dialogue? And then, uh, then the penny dropped because uh, I don't read. I didn't get this. And the only books I had read were Terry Pratchett really my books are probably a little bit like Terry Pratchett because of that book um and then I realized if two people are in the room you can say he said this and she said that but once you've established that you can just put a line break in and have, and have conversation so I didn't know that so I was looking at this John Grisham thing thinking well he, he hasn't said who's saying and I'm going all right it's obvious isn't it because if it's on another line it's a different person and I didn't know that so that was very amateurish. So then I rewrote those first five chapters and that was a game changer for me. So I still do use descriptive elements about how people are saying things if it's required. But, you know, all of a sudden then I only had to do it when three people were in the room or if I was trying to suggest it was in a certain tone or in a certain uh, if, if there was a reason the person was asking the question, it needed embellishing a little bit. But until I did that, I didn't have a clue. I was like. And I'd written five chapters with trying to find these other words and just ripped it all out because I didn't need it. And it doesn't read as well, does it? You just want to, in your head, when you read, you just want to go, right, you just want to hear the dialogue. You don't want, unless it's necessary, you don't want me to tell you what I think because I should have done that already, you know. Yep. <laughs> um, other people that have written um, when they've either dreamt it or they picture it, the reviews generally show that and say that they'd make a good film or TV show. Have you had that um, reaction to your books? Yeah, we've got a, the script's written for Room 119. But directors looked at it. Um, can't say too much. Can't say too much else. Uh, and if that kicks off, uh, Finicula will probably be more of a Netflix TV series. It's a bit more Doctor Who. It isn't Doctor Who, but there's a bit more weird stuff going on that you, you you know you've got to invest in it and it would be i suppose i i watched behind her eyes sarah pin pinsborough um and you've and that's so i watched that on netflix and you've got to actually go with what happens otherwise you just say well that would never happen but if you're going to just say that then there's no point writing it you know so in funicular there's some bits where you would say yeah but that would never happen but I think by the time you get to them points, you're so invested in the character that it, it would. And, and, and in Finicula especially, you are living, you may as well be the main character because anything he finds out, you'll find out at exactly the same time. And you've got the ability of working out as well as what he has. So you will have your own thoughts when things happen going, oh, well, that, that's, that could be this. But don't think you're on your own. You as the reader actually haven't got all the clues yet. And either you or the detective could work it out at the same time ahead of each other behind each other you know so that's a little bit more that type but room 119 yeah there's, there's there's been a few talks and there's a few people involved and i can't really say much else but a lot of the reviews have said it would make a fabulous film yeah yeah it's interested i know that a lot of people say usually they could see it as a film so um oh. <laughs> bye <laughs> Um, if you were to take out one of your characters for a meal, who would you choose and what would you ask them? Oh, well, you're good at this, aren't you? Uh, I did warn you, to be fair. <laughs> and you did say I could ask you anything. 
My favourite character I've ever written, and he would be great at Amelia as well, not for why you think, would be Benji the Clown in Room 119. Um, the amount of people who fall in love with him. Um, normally, uh, I'm, um, I'm head of the, um, the clown uh cheering party because normally clowns get a bit of bad press don't they books because everyone's frightened to death of them and you will be a bit scared of benji but you'll realize why he's doing things and how integral he is to i've been asked to write um the, the, there's a reviewer on um booktube and he went do me a favor trevor just write a prequel just with benji and bobo please and just let me have them in a whole book so the amount of people who love him to death, and um, and and I do as well. I mean, he's he started in my head, and he ended up on a, on paper, and he, you know. So I'd love to meet him. What would you ask yeah. him? Oh, I would ask him. That's a tricky one because I don't want to give nothing away. But I suppose I would ask him how many other people he might have helped along the way, as well as our main character. Because although he doesn't feel like he's helping, he looks like he's, he's not. There's a, he's got a, an amazing character arc of... He talks in puzzles, so he never answers... He answers every question he's given from our, our MC with a question. So he never tells him anything. He's saying, he tells him, well, what do you think you're here for? You know, so what am I here for? And he's going, well, what do you think you're here for? And then he's going, and then there's, a, there's an episode in the, in the clown's tent in the circus where he goes, um, uh, in between Dean asking these really important questions about his life, he's going, red or yellow? And he's just holding two wigs up and he's just not giving him a Thing. So you've got this guy who hasn't got a clue what's going on. He's got a guy, a clown who knows his name somehow, and he's never met him. And he's giving him advice, but he's not giving him advice. He's refusing to give him advice, but he's telling, asking him what he thinks to get him to give himself advice. So I'd like to meet him and see how many other people he, he met along the way. And there might be a um, there might be a prequel in there. If he gets made a film, I don't know. I, I quite like having standalone novels, but Benji the Clown... How the hell that came out of my head, I don't know. Uh, which of your books would you like to be picked up and transported as a character into? Say that again. Which of your books would you like to be picked up and transported as a character into? It's my books. Room 119 is uh, first born, isn't it? I love Funicular, but Room 119 is just, it was the what it was the thing that made me realise I, I might, I might be all right at this, you know, and yes, it would, it would definitely be Room 119. Yeah. Are you going to... Make it all teamy in a minute. <laughs> if it does uh, get made into a film or TV, you're going to have a cameo. Yeah, um, okay, there's another part of the book where uh, Dean, he ends up going into room 119 three times. It gets compared to Scrooge quite a lot. Uh, he has three visits to this hotel and three distinctively different things happen to him. Um, one of them, he ends up at his mum and dad's wedding. Can't tell you too much more about that, but he ends up in Whitby at his mum and dad's wedding. And the Mask Fisherman's Choir who are a sea shanty fishing group who do exist. And I asked their permission if I could put them in. My, my dad was um, one of the early members in the 70s. And I used to go around watching my dad singing with all these choir blokes. All they were really doing was getting absolutely hammered every night. But it was an excuse to get to the pub and go to choir practice. And you're thinking, yeah, all right, dad, to come back hammered. But at least he'd sang a few songs. And um, so in, in, the, in, in the wedding, and I won't tell you what happens at the wedding, but the Mass Fisherman Choir perform, and my, my dad's dead now, uh, but he sang Grimsby Lads uh, solo on their first record. Um, 
and he was in the choir for years, but that was the one he sang solo. So you saw us sing it at, at um, Tall Ships in Newcastle. I've seen him sing it there and stuff. Um, so I, I actually put in that the choir, um, the announcer would go, right, and uh, thanks, we're back, we've had a drink, and uh, the next song, uh, Mick's going to perform Grimsby Lads for you. So I, I put my dad in the book. So I always said to my film producer guy, I went, if um, if it be, if it does get to the point where it's made, which is pro, it was a million mile away. It's probably about a mile away now, you know. But that's still a, a mile, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I'd be him. I'd be my dad, wouldn't I? You know, just a little cameo, sing a few lines, probably grow a stupid beard, wear a blue jumper. No one else will know it was my dad. It's just I, I would, and I do in the book. And obviously, my mum, when she read it, she, oh my god, it was making. So it was uh, that was quite nice being able to do that. So I play him. Oh, that's really lovely. <laughs> you are going to get me crying before the end of this. <laughs> I'll try not to. That isn't my intention. Mm. Okay. <laughs> um, when you're editing, what's your most overused word or phrase? I'm quite good at this now. Uh, I try. I'll tell you why it's a difficult one for me to answer that is because when I'm writing my book, I'll get to a point where I'll either have a break and I thought oh, I've got three or four days without doing it and I forgot what I've written. So I'll go back to the beginning and rewrite it. Right. And then what I'll do um, is, you know, after about I've written about another 10 chapters, I'll go back to the beginning and rewrite it. So I always go back to the beginning chapter one, right at the beginning, and rewrite it. See if I've got to put anything in, keep the story consistent, but also just continuously rewriting it. At Funicular, I got a lot better at that. So I'd, I'd rewritten the first, by the time I got to the last chapter, the first chapter's been gone through 20 times. So I tend to spot things like that and get rid of them. So I don't think I overly use words. And if I do, I'm quite good, even though, like I say, I'm, I'm probably, I'm almost certainly dyslexic, but I think one of the things, it's weird when you're on, a, on the spectrum or, or you, I, I would imagine I'm autistic as well to some point because there are so many wacky things going on. I sort of spot that. So if, if I see a word that I've used three, the chapter before I go, oh, I've used that. And I'll just sort of know, and it's a bit weird. I don't know how, and I'm not going to question how it just sort of happens to the point where I was telling you before we came on went, yeah, about um, HG Wells using hither and tither. I, I said 10 times, he probably used it three times, but it really annoyed me because that term shouldn't be repeated multiple times in the same book. And it seemed to be at least five times and I'm probably wrong. I should go back and count them. So I am quite good. I spot a lot of that. One thing I do do though is, because I'm from the north, I chop the beginnings of my sentences off a little bit. So instead of I something this, I'll just start. I'll just start with the second word a lot. <clears throat> but because Dean in Room One One Nine and the copper actually is from London in, in Funicular, but all the northern characters, I, I try and leave that in because that's what I would do. So I tell my editor this isn't an error. Um, I, I'm chopping off the beginning of the words for the right reasons. Uh, even at the point where when he would say in Dean in room one, oh, well, you know, I haven't seen my mum for ages. I said, mum is not a mistake. <laughs> she is a mum when you're up here. She's a, So his daughter always calls his, his mum mum, where Dean always calls his mum mum. And always when he's talking to his daughter, he always talks to his daughter as tell your mum, even though she calls him mum. So you've got all of that mix that you tell the editor, look, this isn't an error. But yeah, I don't think I repeat too much because I, I've probably gone through that many times. It still needs editing because, I mean, they're like angels, aren't they? they it, my editor's an angel, and what I used to say is my proofreaders is, is the tips of the wings. That's that's what it is. They're, they're just unbelievable. Um, you've still got to have the idea, and you've got to get the essence of the story down, but they, they're just correct. So, especially for me, I think they feel sorry for me, thinking, oh, my God. So, anyway, I'll let you get another question out. But, that, yeah, I don't, I don't think I repeat too much. I think I'm quite good at that. Oh, actually. 
Um, what advice would you give to anyone, especially if they think they're dyslexic and think, oh, I'd never be able to write a book because my spelling's terrible, for example, what would you tell them? Well, I know you can get Grammarly as well now, but I use Microsoft Word. Luckily, I'm very good in Microsoft Word. Uh, when you spell something wrong, it'll underline it in red. Uh, the problem I've got is when I right click on the red word, it often can't give me an option because I've got the vowels that much in the wrong order that it, it hasn't got a clue. Um, so then I change the vowels around a little bit, hoping to shed a bit of light on the on the detective story of what word I'm trying to spell. And then I'll go to Google and put it in Google and it'll often give you a, a, an alternative. And if not, I'll change the whole sentence. That, that's where I get to. I, I, I just don't know how to spell some things. But I think Microsoft Word, and I spell words wrong different days as well. I'll have good days where I can spell because. I have other days where I'm not really good at because. I'm better at because now because I'm conscious that I'm not really good at spelling it. But it, it's that. I'm re really, really poor. But it, it, well before I wrote any books, <clears throat> the fact that I'm an IT consultant means that I can use the IT to its benefit to help me out when I'm stuck on that type of thing. Um, I'm not massively dyslexic, though. I can read fine, read very slowly, but I, do, I can read fine. Um, and it's just the, I think it is it, a cross between dyslexia and laziness because I'm also very lazy when I'm writing and I'll just, I'll just write the word and think I'll fix that later because it, I know what it means. And then um, I've got a bit better at that. I generally right click on it at that time and try and get it right. Cause I've gone back that many times and sometimes I don't even know what the word was the day after. So I'm not terrible, don't get me wrong. And I can spot mistakes. It's just, I just don't know how to fix them. So I think I would take a Microsoft Word course. So as a bare minimum, you would know how to, how how the, the software can help, help you fix your spelling. Um, as a bare minimum, I would do that, yeah. Luckily, I've got that. But uh, if I didn't, I don't think I'd ever write. If I had to write it down on paper, I wouldn't write a book. I couldn't do it. So luckily, I've got IT to protect me a little bit. I, I can I can format it all in IT. I formatted all my, my, my paperbacks with drop capitals and stuff. So I do all of that. And to be honest, you've got to get it to a point where the editors can understand it, but you don't want to give them garbage. So I, I try and get rid of all the red lines before I give it to the editor, at least. <laughs> so she's got an idea. There was one word uh, in in uh, funicular. He went fishing and he didn't want to go fishing. He stowed away on a fishing boat because he had to speak to this bloke. He got told to stow away on this fishing boat in Saltburn. And there's a thing called a thowl pin, which is the pin on the side of the boat where you put the oars on. And my dad's always said, "Put," because I've been fishing. I was a fish. My dad was a fisherman. Um, just with we had a little wooden boat <clears throat> on Mask Beach, and he would say, "Put the oars on the thowl pin, or tie that anchor off on the thowl pin." So I knew it was a word, <laughs> but I didn't have a clue how to spell it. So I left it in thowl pin, and my editor went. Can you give me a clue what this word is? I went, it's the thowl pin. It's, and she went, uh, can't find it anywhere. Google every single spelling of that, can't find it. And uh, and she eventually found it. Is it, is it, it's on the side of the boat where you put the oars? Yeah, and she went, right, it's a, you're calling it a thowl pin because when my dad's from in the Northeast, that's what he would have called it, a bit of Northeast Yorkshire slang. I think it's spelt T H W A L L. So it's not thowl, it's thwall. And she didn't have a clue. And eventually we, I think we changed it because we didn't know at that point. I, I didn't work it out by that point. We changed it to the pin on the side of the boat or something. Yeah, so you've just got to live with some things, don't you? But yeah, get, get um, back, back to your question. You know, as long as you can handle yourself in Microsoft Word and you can form paragraphs and and listen to it when it's telling you wrong just understand what the red underline is understand what the green underline is which means you probably missed a comma out or something then i think that's uh, at least it's giving you a head start yeah uh, but what has been your highlight so far since that very first day where you sat down at the computer to start writing to today what stands out as the moment for you i've had three people say it's the best book i've ever read 
whether they're telling me the truth or not. I don't know. I know one of them is because she's my number one fan. Um, but yeah, I, and then when people say it's the best book they've read all year and things like that, you're just like, wow. Uh, so since the reviews, isn't it? When, when you get reviews and the bad ones, the, the bad ones you take on the chin and, and try and learn from them. I didn't used to. I used to get a little bit miffed when someone gave me a bad review whereas i don't like uh i've had a couple of one star reviews on christmas day with no comments i think if you're gonna give a one star at least have the decency to tell the author that why you didn't like it um so yeah i don't and amazon didn't used to allow that they used to make you write a comment and that stopped about a year and a half ago didn't it and now you can just just give things one star. I got a very strange review the other day. I uh, got a three star, no comment, on Goodreads. A three star, which I'm all right with. And then he, this guy's got 950 reviews. Never made a comment ever. Average three. So that's a bit weird. He's got an average of three and now he's given me a three. So I went and looked in his history. Every book he's ever rated is a three. <laughs> You're like... Who is this person? So I think what he just does, he just he's using it to catalogue his books because he's never read over a three. He's never read under a three. And he's, he's read thousands of books. Yeah, and you're like, it's a bit strange. But the I best thing... I that he, can't, he can just not review them or not rate them. Yeah, <laughs> he can just put I, them on Goodreads. I really don't. If you look on Goodreads, I don't know, but if you look on Goodreads, on, I think it's on Room 119, about three reviews ago, and every review's a three, and you're thinking, strange individual. But each to their own. You know, you can't have a go. But, yeah, it, the, the reviews is the best bit by a mind. If the film comes out, that might that might surpass that. But we'll see. It'd be nice to go to the Oscars. Didn't you aim for, like, BAFTAs first? Is it BAFTAs? And then... Yeah, we'll, we'll do the BAFTAs first, and then we'll head off to the Oscars Practice. after that. Practice yeah. run, yeah. Got to practice your speech, don't you? Absolutely, and you know, dressing up and stuff, get the tux all, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is, the problem is that for that many people who've said, "Oh my God, is it going to be a film?" And I can't, obviously, I can't say too much about it, which I'm saying too much already. And they're going, um, "Can I come at the premiere?" And I'm going, "Yeah, yeah, of course you can." But I think I've invited about five thousand people at the premiere now. You know, I'm probably going to get about four tickets or something. I'm like, oh, my God, who am I going to let down? Because I've told everyone to go, because I never thought that would happen. I want to come. <laughs> you can just be on. What I might do is book a cinema out somewhere else and have a premiere there, just for me, like a second premiere. I think you I need a big cinema still. <laughs> yeah. Right, everybody honest, because I just didn't think it would happen. It's getting closer and closer. I'm thinking, oh, no. So we'll see. Yeah, it's still a mile away, but so anyway, no, let's talk about that. Yeah, that's all right. No one knows, it's fine. (laughs) Um, if you're able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with? Uh, one that's alive would be a bit more fun. (laughs) Well, you'd like we bring them back to life briefly, all right? Okay, right. Uh, bear in mind, I don't read, uh, of 19 books now but seven of them were terry pratchett and god bless his soul he's dead and i reckon if it wasn't for him i read all seven of them books when i was in the falcons in night night two in the, in the royal air force um so when i said I read 19 books seven of them were in a four-month stint where nothing to do at the other end of the world but i really really did enjoy them and made me laugh and first time a book to me laugh probably a first time my books made me cry because I've never read anything before that. I didn't do English literature school. I had to do remedial handwriting instead because no one could read my writing. And um, yeah, it would have to be him because I, I just thought his books were hilarious. All the Discworld novels, obviously, I, not all of them I read, but it got me into reading for a bit, if nothing else. And then then I stopped completely. Um, and then I would I would imagine there's some homage to Terry Pratchett in Room One One Nine. Definitely one character. It would be straight out of his type of thing. Yeah. Have you made lots of author friends since you started writing? Um, yes, but virtually. Um, 
although you've got an amazing reading community on Facebook, there's also some nice writing community areas. And also the, in the reading community areas, there's a lot of independent authors who are lurking around trying not to accidentally promote their book, but answering people, oh, there's a clown in my book. What's your book called? Not allowed to tell you. There's a lot of that going on. Um, yeah, so 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 quite quite a few. I, I've also been to an, an author day in Newcastle. Um, so, so yes, but I, I think it's more on the support front. There's this, and we do help each other. It's, it's you know we're, we're not in competition. You know you can like two books. You know it's not like oh they're reading his book. Why are they read my book? It's, we're all we all we're all in this together. You know. So yeah, I, I do talk to quite a few. Um, yeah, Simon Frant, he's he's quite active. He's always every every time something someone says, "Can you recommend me a book?" He's often recommending mine. So that's lovely. I wouldn't have got an audible book if it wasn't for him. He told me how to do it, and um, yeah, Louise Ross. I've met her in Newcastle. Met uh, Malcolm Hellendrake. Hel we met. Uh, we talked about earlier on. So there's there's quite a few people I've met, but I'm probably not massively in them circles as much as what I probably should be. And, and early on, that would have been probably through because I don't read. I felt like I didn't belong as much, but 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 they're superb. I mean, any of them will help you do anything. They will. We're, we're all in this together and we know how it is. You know, it's not easy. Yeah. Well, Malcolm's not a big reader either, is he? So I don't know. I've, I've only met him the once, but we obviously we on uh, Facebook, we often like each other's stuff and stuff like that. Yeah, I didn't know he wasn't a big reader. See, if you watch my interviews, you'd know, because he tells me. Okay, I'm going to be doing that. <laughs> I'm only joking, but he does. And, I mean, I'm really good friends with him anyway, so he does read little bits, but one he doesn't. One of my 19 books is Malcolm's, actually. Uh, the Penultimate Man, I know it's only a short story. Is it the Not The Penultimate Man. Yeah, I think it is called. The, it's about the the person before the last person who got killed before the war. He got killed after the war had finished, and it's all about him. And uh, I think I said to Malcolm at the time, I think they should they should make people read that in schools. They really should. Um, wow, I, I think he, he gets it read out in some churches, doesn't he? At, um, Remembrance Day. So I read that on holiday because I promised him I'd read uh, one of his books, and it's only a short story, isn't it? But that's one number nineteen um yeah i loved it yeah yeah he uh is an amazing author and amazing person so i've read all of his books all of them every single <laughs> and um and his short stories and anthologies so yeah i love yeah i, I like his covers actually. when he got his covers rebranded i quite I quite like them yeah. yeah i love his voice as well i love it when he reads out it's like oh i could just listen to you talk for ages that's I that's something I wouldn't dare do. I, I just don't think I, I would have the confidence of reading out loud. I've got the confidence sat here in in front of you, and I'm 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 an IT trainer um, or consultant now, but I used to be an IT trainer, so I stand in front of thirty people. And I've got no problem with that, but that's unscripted. If if I'm scripted and have to read, I really struggle, and that comes down to me. Just I'm just not a very quick reader, and then I'll miss words out. I don't. I didn't know what commas did before I started writing. <laughs> I, generally, I generally don't breathe in the right place. When I when I sent my, got my book for my proofreader, I'd semicolons in. I had to say, well, what, what are you doing? <laughs> what do these do? I don't, I don't know what they did. So I, I suppose from an author point of view, I, I'm just a storyteller. And I will get it to a point where an editor can make it not stand out as if it hasn't been done properly. But the story's all there. It's all my words. It's just been tidied up, yeah. I wouldn't dare do that. Well done, Malcolm. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of us say the same. We'd listen to him read the phone book. It's just something about his voice. <laughs> Mainly women, actually. But anyway, that's uh, <laughs> beside the point. Um, are you going to any of the book events this year? Are you going to any of the festivals or anything? Not planning to. I should do, shouldn't I? Again, that's that inferiority complex where I think I don't belong, but I should probably do it. I, I've been to, uh, I did a couple of book signings. My books are in um, Saltburn because one of them set in Saltburn. And I've done a couple of book signings there. And even there, I'm a bit awkward. 
which is a bit weird, isn't it? You sat there signing a few books and um, I do get nervous that I'll spell the name wrong because I, I can't spell. So Claire got me some post-its and said, just get them to write their name first. But if it's like um, Dave or something, you're like, well, I should be all right. <laughs> but, but you do get nervous and then I end up in a bit of a mess. So not really. I, I did do a book, at, uh, book event at Harrogate Library where we there's four authors did a big chat and that was great because it was again it was unscripted and there's a few other people to bounce off so I quite enjoyed that but not planning on going to any of them uh wouldn't mind doing the Harrogate one at some point that's massive isn't it yeah. uh, I've never been to one so do it maybe I'll go one first and then I'll think about being, being out one I um went to Harrogate I live way down south I went to Harrogate on my own on the train and um, I didn't know anyone before I went there only by speaking to them online. I had the best weekend. I got home at six o'clock on Sunday evening by nine o'clock. I'd booked my hotel to go this year because I loved it so much. It's awesome. I don't know how I go about getting in there as an author. I assume I just send them an email, but I'm sure definitely somewhere like that will probably have a, uh, they'll probably have a, who they're gonna have list? Um, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe you could just depend anyway, and I, I think I you think get a badge if you're an author. Yeah, I think there's one in Durham, um, and that's up the road from me. So I might get crash one. You just put a thought in my head now. So yeah, I might. Yeah, I mean, you can just go as as you know. I'm I'm helping to organise one in Stoke, which I'm not quite sure how that happened, but there we are. Then I'm going to Harrogate and Bloody Scotland and Capital Crime. Is that it? I think that's it. I was going to one right. Birmingham, but that's been put back to next year. Yeah, yeah, I love them. That is now officially on my radar. I think there's one in Newcastle, isn't there? Newcastle Noir? Yeah. One. I might go up there. I'll see. I'll remind you. I'll ask you again because it's not yeah, till July. So you... Not really much. It's a bit, a bit weird, isn't it? I'll be going up there and never read any of the books, but... Yeah. If one goes to Harrogate to drink, to chat, right. to drink some more, to chat some more, nobody cares whether you read or not. They don't Harrogate, ask. 25, 25 minutes from where I live, Harrogate. So, yeah. Well, then there's literally no excuse. You've got to go. It's just amazing. Literally. There's literally no excuse. Yeah. Well, I'm not hearing any good ones. So unless you're incapacitated by illness or death, then, you know, that's it. That's all I'll accept as an excuse. I'm not dead by the time it comes up. I'm going to get badgered day in, day out to go. I'll, I'll put it on my list. I'll, I'll see if I can make it. I will. No, when you is will. It? <laughs> it's a great opportunity it? to network. When is it? 21st yeah. of July or something, I think. Oh, right. Time to work that out. My next book yeah. will be out right then. So. Well, there you go then. Even better. A lady called Anne Blotswitch had her debut novel out. She wore T-shirts with her book on. She made other people wear T-shirts. She gave T-shirts out. Now everyone knows who she is. So shameless self-promotion, it worked. And you don't get admins telling you off every five minutes. <laughs> no, everyone's there for the same thing. Drinking yeah, and chatting. Yeah. Literally it. Honestly, right. I promise you. I'll take a, a shed load of books down with me, put them in my back of my car and just open it up. Yeah. Well, you need to carry some around with you. Yeah. yeah, I'll do that. And then I'll come say hi, and then I'll come get them off you as well. So at least you'll have two sales. I'll buy one yeah. of each, or three sales, because sure. I'll buy, buy all three. Some down the road, so, yeah. yeah see, the three sales, guaranteed. Sorted. Super. <laughs> totally worth it, right? Out. Yeah, it will be, because I'll nag you. I add this service as well as interviews and reviews and stuff. I can also boost egos when you're feeling the imposter syndrome is getting too much or nag to write and not procrastinate. You know, it's just something that I can do. So happy to help. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will make it. So I'll, my job is to bump into you in Harrogate. I'm on it. You can hardly miss the pink hair. When people want to meet me, they're like, I'm like, I've got bright pink hair. Seriously, you can't miss me. Yeah. Anyway, um, who was your first celebrity crush? Oh, 
probably not the first, but Jennifer Aniston was quite hot, wasn't she? Um, it is. Don't know how she manages it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sandra Bullock. She was nice. Yeah. Probably them. My wife's next door. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you did say I could ask you anything. Oh, yeah, and she'll have loads of blokes anyway. She'll tell you about it. Oh, he's, he's nice every time someone comes on telly. Uh, yeah, she's met half of them because she used to work in Concord. So oh, nice. We sort of met everybody who's anybody. You know, we're watching a film and she goes, oh, "He's gorgeous, him." And it'd be, "Who? Yeah, Al Pacino. He's a lovely man." I'm going, "How the hell have you met Al Pacino?" So yeah, so, so I can remember my daughter once made a list of um, three pages of A4 celebrities she knew. Yeah, because, well she didn't know them, but she's served them on on Concord. Yeah. Might write a book about Concord. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yes, yeah, so probably Jennifer Anderson. Um, if I were to ask your dearest and dearest what your most annoying habits were, what would they say? Um, <clears throat> it's quite a lot. <laughs> no, she didn't get annoyed that much. What did she get annoyed at me for? Not not finishing anything I start, which I mentioned earlier on. She normally says that. Um, there's a word I pronounce wrong. And she corrects me when I pronounce it wrong. I can't remember what it is. But she does correct my pronunciation sometimes of the odd words. And I love football too much. Big Middlesbrough fan. And I, I'm, I'm 50, what am I now? 53? But I'm still trying to play football as well. I used to be quite a good footballer, so I'm hanging on to that. Don't want to stop. Don't want to stop. <laughs> and then I broke my wrist then a few, few, about six years ago. And then she's like, you're not playing anymore. You're too old. And I'm still hanging on to it. So that annoys that I still play football. Yeah. In a good way. She doesn't want me to get hurt. Yeah, that's nice. I just want us to finish above you in the league. I'm a Luton Town fan, so. Oh, yeah. Played well when they came up. Uh, you come out this, or oh, it might have been at yours on telly, but you're a good side, Luton. Yeah, well, we got smashed at the weekend, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. by Birmingham, they beat us 3 0. I know they did, yeah, bad times, but yeah, I know. But we can't afford to go up. They're saying a promotion push, it's like, well, why? We've got the shittiest, yeah. most horrible ground that we couldn't afford to make the changes necessary. Um, no. They're a good team, though. I like them. Yeah. 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 They're all right, I suppose. <laughs> They're my local team, so I'm stuck with them. <laughs> yeah, well, we're doing well. I think we'll go up. I think we're, we just returned the corner with the new manager. Playing brilliant football. Not seen it in 20 years. And it's all of a sudden, it's quite nice, yeah. Yeah. I hope you do. <laughs> Um, where's the strangest or funniest place you've ever woken up? Oh dear. Um, I woke up under a pool table once in a pool club. I also woke up once in a nightclub toilet um, when they used to nightclub close at two o'clock and this was five o'clock. And as I walked out, there's an awful there's a table full of about six people in suits with bouncers all around them playing poker. And I just went, sorry, <laughs> I let myself out. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't great, because I think there's a lot of money, there's so much money on the table. And I was like, what? You know, if it was a film, it'd be like, go get in. Yeah. I think I was about 17 then. Yeah, that wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you'd be alive probably yeah well they were probably as shocked as you were <laughs> well, they were they were don't check the toilets and I was like oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh god um well you said you're working on book three so how close are you to finishing that and then do you know what you're going to do next <laughs> 30,000 words in um I'm on chapter six 16 of editing at the minute I think it goes to about 21 um, so I've edited three quarters of that before I can write the end of it again um, 
and then my next dream on off the dream cart was so oh, this is weird it's about um two brothers two brothers and a sister who who ended up being left outside a fire station in baskets and then they got separated because they were orphans that they, they didn't know who they were and they, they ended up growing up in different lives one of them was blind one of them was deaf and one of them was dumb and then they they don't know about each other and then they end up getting pulled back together in this stately home uh, of, uh used to be owned by this author and the author was the biggest thing back in the 70s uh late 60s 70s and then but then he's disappeared no one knows where he is but his estate's still there and there's someone looking after it and then they get these three kids in because they're all like 23 21 17 or whatever and uh there's a portal to this fantasy world. So when is when the dad was writing all of these fantasy novels, he was actually living them and then coming back through the portal and writing them. And the reason he's gone missing is because he's stuck and been captured. And obviously someone on the outside knows that. So they get these kids together and they end up finding this portal. And when they have dreamt all this, mm -hmm. And when they end up going through the portal, their weakness here is their strength there. So they've all got like powers. Uh, they don't know that. And yeah, I've never, I've never, I've read fantasies because I've read Terry Pratchett, but I've never read any of these, you know, Sarah J. Mass or anything like that. So I dreamt all that. So that'll probably get written by someone else now because I've just told someone all about it, but. That's my next one. I'm off, off, and that'll probably have to be a series. I just think it'll be too big <clears throat> as a standalone. Amazing, and I don't really like fantasy that much, and I want to read that like now. So it's going to be called. Could... It's going to be called Wise Monkeys. Yeah, well, we could you have... know crack on and <laughs> and start writing that. Oh, well, I do wonder. There's a girl, the girl who's uh, <laughs> deaf. I've got their names already. This is where I woke up at three in the morning, did it all? The, the girl, all their names are, um, are Gaelic names for, like the, the deaf one is for hearing. It's the god of hearing or something like that. So the, all their names make a bit of sense. And she's at this um, like a sports college. Um, she's deaf, which is at the sports college. And the, it's for Olympians, you know, she gets paid. Mum and dad who are, uh, you know, a, a, who adopted her they've they've sent her to this because she's quite good at sport anyway she's good at horse riding she's doing all that stuff and they, they get this olympic um archer to come in and because they're, they're trying to find sports for them all because it's like that type of college and a really upper class and this she gets picked on because she's deaf all the time and anyway something happens to a horse i think can't remember but i've written it down and then what happens is this is one of my favorite bits. Um, they're doing the archery, and this this girl said, "Oh, you've all got." And there's about eight of them. And then the ringleader who picks her all the time's got all her mates who are making her feel bad, and they're having a bit of a go. And anyway, they're just about to start, and they said, "Right, can you? Um, you you've got ten arrows, you know, and you've got ten minutes. Take a minute shot. If you feel more confident, do faster than that." And, and they've had the how to do it, and she's not very good. She's just all right. But then they start having a go at her and her adrenaline kicks in and she's really, really angry. So anyway, when it says we're about to start, they're about to start and she pulls this arrow out. And then um, this girl goes, stop, stop the clock, stop the clock, because she's there's this wasp was away near her head. We can't have this. So obviously she's the spot bitch. So they stop the clock and all that for her. So right, we'll reset the clock. And, and then she has a go at this girl with her end and her, she, her blood's boiling. So then she just pulls the arrows out and she goes, bang, 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 bang. Just nine in a row, it's the ball. And then she turns around where all the people are doing their archery. They're in about their second go. And she just fires one through everyone's bows. And it, it hits this girl. It just clips her a cheek and goes against the wall. And uh, they're like, come here. So she gets thrown out of the school, right? But as she went to, the, to go to the, um, 
the girl went, do you see what she did? See what she did? And she walked over and she went, um, so I wasn't aiming at you. So what were you aiming at? And then they look at the arrow and it's got the wasp. <laughs> she gets kicked out for that. And the, the parents go, well, oh, come on. Well, she could have killed her and all this stuff. So she's got these, she's got powers here as well. She just doesn't know that she can use them. So, yeah. So th that was why I was up till three in the morning writing all this stuff down. Yeah. Sounds totally worth losing sleep over for me. <laughs> well, I don't have any more questions for you, unless is it there's anything I haven't asked you that you want to tell us? Uh, no, you've delved really deep into my uh, my life, I think. Um, <laughs> no, just, uh, yeah, uh, if you see me lurking around on uh, in your Facebook group, and not you, but everyone else out there who's, who's going to listen to this, give us a shout. Um if you end up reading one of the books, and I'm not here to say go read them, but if you end up reading one of them, let us know how you get on. I've, I think I've mentioned enough how nice it is for an author to know that someone's reading or read your book. Even if you don't like it, at least you've telling me you've read it. And it's, but yeah, um, we don't bite. You know, we'll just come and come and chat to us. And uh, yeah, I haven't got much else to say really, but I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's like a it's like a therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> Not only pay the money for this. Um, so just before we go, would you like to tell everyone or just remind everyone where they can get your books and where they can find you if they so desire? All right. So um TF Lintz is my author name, mainly because I don't like Trevor and I don't like Frank. So I've, my mother lumbered me with two names that I couldn't do much with. So I wasn't trying to be JK Rowling, I just didn't like Trevor or Frank when I hear them said out loud. So yeah. TF Lintz, uh, they're on Amazon. Uh, they're exclusive to Amazon because they're on Kindle Unlimited. So if you're on Kindle Unlimited, go um, go read some pages. If uh, you can test it, try before you buy it, you see if you like it. And if not, get rid of it. Uh, they're on Kindle. They're on Audible. Uh, got a great narrator to do them on Audible. And Room 119 is on hardback as well now. That, that's a new thing, Amazon beta. Just It's in a beta program. And it's gorgeous. It's, that, that's the hardback version. And it's, yeah, it's really, really, really nice. Um, I was surprised at the quality of that. Um, I will get Funicular out in hardback. I just want to see what the Room 119 looked like in hardback. If you do order it in hardback, or if that's your thing and you've got millions of bookcases, on Amazon, I think it told me it was going to be 14 days to get delivered uh, because they don't do it in the UK yet. But when I saw the tracking of it all, it gets printed in Denmark. And it was with me in three days. So it's not 14 days. You know, it'll tell you that, but it's not. Um, yeah, and um, should have a new one out probably in about four months or something. And then I'll, while that's getting edited, I'm going to start this. Uh, the new one, if no one's nicked it, I haven't watched this. No way. <laughs> well, brilliant. Thank you very much for joining me. Well, I'm on TikTok and Twitter and all over the place. So I'm sure you'll find me. I think uh, if you put TF Lynn's author, or Room 119, I'm sure you'll you'll find me kicking around annoying people on other platforms. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs>